There's so many details in tonight's gospel that make it a favorite for so many people. After all, even non-Christians can tell you what a prodigal son is. It is a parable that underscores God the Father's love for us, his very often wayward children. And it takes place in a rather unique point in Luke's gospel, because just before giving this parable, Jesus had given two more parables. First, the parable of the lost sheep, the one that the shepherd would leave the 99 and go find. Then the parable of the lost coin, that woman looking for that one coin she lost and rejoicing when she found it. So there's a common theme taking place throughout these three parables uh, of God searching after us and trying to find us his wayward children. But the prodigal son is certainly the most personal, concrete, and the most meaningful. And it's often in these parables that we can focus more, again, Rightly so, you could say, on the end of the story, the reunion, the made-for-Hollywood moment, the finding of the coin, the finding of that sheep, and the reunion of the father and the son. But too often, I think, we fail to examine what led to that reunion or that finding in the first place. Namely, being lost, or the wayfaring that this younger son embarks on. The things that led to that journey away, and even then to his return home. And in the case of the prodigal son, brothers and sisters, it begins with the son demanding his inheritance from his father. And this would have been an incredibly disrespectful thing to ask for. Because the inheritance was something that would, of course, only be given upon the father's death. So what this younger son is saying to his father is, you are as good as dead to me. That is what he is saying to his father. He has no use for his father anymore. He is cashing out of the family. He is done. He has no use for his father or living in his father's house anymore. Instead, he wants to try out what the world offers and what the world has in store. So shortly after demanding this inheritance, he sets off for a distant country, we hear in the gospel. And those words, distant country, really fall woefully short of the reality that is really being expressed by St. Luke. Because the words that are used in Greek for distant country are choron makron. It doesn't necessarily mean a distant country. It sort of means great open space. A place without borders, a place without points of reference. It doesn't so much signify a place as it does the state of this younger son's soul. He's wandering He is a wandering soul. Again, going to a place with no border, no points of reference, no aim, no purpose. He has a great deal of ontological emptiness that he is experiencing. He's a wandering soul. And he thinks that because he's wandering, he can peruse the worldly cornucopia of pursuits at his disposal. And that eventually one of those things will make him happy. He tries to chart his own course And choose his own path. The thing that often happens when we wander, brothers and sisters, is that the wandering takes us away from the Father's house. And wandering can lead to a whole host of other problems as they do in the case of this young man. Squandering his money, struggling with purity. The wandering was sort of what led to those other falls, not the other way around. So again, we often wander and peruse the selection of sin, and we think that eventually we will find what we are looking for, just like 
this younger man, but instead, we only find ourselves hungry. And then, look at the same thing that happens to the young man today. All going to this great open space inevitably leads to is a famine for the soul. And the predicament that this young man finds him in, he longs to eat the pods from which the swine would eat that he was tending. And again, pods doesn't really describe it. It's, there was this particular bean, almost, that pigs would eat at this time. It was almost like they, they ate beans, you could say, and hence the word pods. They were soft on the outside, but very empty on the inside. They would load the stomach, but not nourish the spirits. They would fill the body, but not sustain the soul. To the point that When the sun is at his lowest point, what does he want more than anything else? He wants food. He thinks to himself, how many of my father's servants have more than enough food to eat? That's all he cares about. In this distant land, in this distant openness, wandering about with ontological emptiness, all he wants is food. But eventually, of course, the food helps him realize that he was only truly happy when he lived with the father. Again, wandering the world, feasting on its passing delights, will not leave us happy and fulfilled, brothers and sisters. We are only fed well, and we are truly fed best, and we are fed with the food of truth and solid teaching. And so it is no coincidence that a big part of the return for this younger son to his father was the feast that his father threw for him, and killing that fattened calf, where once again this man is fed not just in body, but fed in soul. Now, all of us, brothers and sisters, know people in our lives, among our families, and even among our friends, who we might classify as wandering souls. Many people in our world seemingly have no use for God, have cashed out on the faith, you could say, and God is as good as dead to them. And certainly, I'm in the same boat, among friends and even among family. Among the people, though, that this applied to in my life was a high school classmate of mine named Kevin. He was in my homeroom at Slough High for four years. He was a great guy, very gifted, very successful as well. But during his college years, he fell away and sort of began wandering, you could say. He became successful by worldly standards, had a nice place in the Central West End. He tried to come back once or twice and did for maybe a little bit, but his heart wasn't in it and he fell off again to the point that for about 10 years, give or take, he was wandering this world struggling even with some of the same sins as that younger son. He had a plethora of options and avenues at his disposal, so much open space to wander, but it only left him sad and not fulfilled. One Sunday, though, he managed to find his way to the new cathedral and decided to go to confession because he ran into one of the priests from our high school that happened to be hearing confessions that day. And he poured out his heart to this priest in the confessional, he said, Father, I, I'm, I'm miserable. I am miserable in my life, and I see so many people around me in the pews of this church who are so much happier than me. Why is it that they are happy and I am not? And this priest said to him, you need to realize why they're happy. They aren't happy because they're just here for themselves, trying to just please themselves in their own self-gratification. No, they're here because and they are dedicating their lives to God and others. And that is why they are happy. And much like that younger son, in that moment, I think my friend Kevin got the smallest glimpse of the happiness 
that he craved and where it could be found. He was longing for happiness and fulfillment for so long in his life. And then a couple months later, a mutual friend of ours invited him to Mass. And between that confession and that invitation back to Mass, my friend Kevin's back in the faith and on fire, and he's not going anywhere anytime soon. It was incredible to hear his story a couple months ago when we connected again and he told me that story over a drink. And it was so wonderful to hear the journey that he had had, how hungry he was, how famished he was previously, and how now, how full and grateful and on fire he was in the faith. You know, brothers and sisters, the place where we will always be the most fed is in the Father's house, not in the wide open spaces of this world. It's the Father's house instead, where we are loved and cherished, fed and sustained. It's the place of relationship, a place where we live our lives for others. It is truly a place for us to call home. And I tell you this story about my high school classmate to give reassurance maybe to all of us whose loved ones might be going through some of the same things. And even to offer a little bit of encouragement for us to be the people to invite them back. Our role, brothers and sisters, I think, is to offer an alternative to what this world proposes. To offer real spiritual food to those who we know are spiritually hungry and a place to call home for those who we know are wandering this world. That is what it means to evangelize, brothers and sisters. We're talking about evangelization so much with all things new for our archdiocese. This is how it's done. This is how we invite and encourage. Just what that priest at the cathedral did. Just what my friend did in inviting my friend Kevin back to Mass after so many years away. There are many, many prodigal sons and daughters out there waiting to be invited. Let us pray, brothers and sisters, that you and I can be people who propose an invitation to others, invite them back to the Father, and then let our Lord do the rest. Pray for an end to the wayfaring of those who we love, that all can come back to the Father, to his house, to be fed and nourished, cherished and loved.